This is the Beard Winner Podcast, episode 14. Hey everybody, it's uh, been a long time. I wonder if you thought the show was dead. If you did, you were not alone. I thought the same thing. I kept seeing views of the Beard Winner Facebook page, which was encouraging. And time has just been a warp. It's been a void that has sucked me in, chewed me up, and threw me out. And it's been interesting. I have worked very long hours. I am so tired, but I hope that things are going to be great and that I'm working towards something awesome. So I guess that and the love of my family keeps me going and the few close friends that I have. I think that I don't want that to be a sad thing to say the few close friends. It's just, I guess, quality over quantity is better. Um, But anyway... Uh, yeah, it's been a while because a, I kept thinking that this needed to be similar to Joe Rogan and I had to sit down and interview people instead of just laying down a track and not really caring, caring while I'm not carrying anything, not really having a concern or caring if this goes into the ether and is never heard and maybe it'll be heard a hundred years from now and people look back at like, Damn, that dude in 2021, in early 2020, that was a roller coaster. But yeah, uh, I think that these are going to become more frequent, and that's easy. All I have to do is release one in three months instead of five months, but I don't know what the pace is going to be. I just know that I'm still getting billed monthly for my podcasting subscription for my hosting, and I just got the notice from Squarespace that they are going to renew and I canceled that. So beardwinner.com will be down after May 31st. And the domain is still mine for the next five years or four years now. And I may go through some site that my buddy Logan recommended the dude who helped me decide on the podcast name and one of my best friends who lives in New Zealand and go through, I think it's called Google something fire. I don't know. You'll probably laugh since I'm blanking on what it's called, but I think we'll get it back up and running. Um, what was the email address? Darren at beardwinner.com. Apparently that's not worth spending the money on because I don't even recall what the email address is off the top of my head. And I learned some things about affiliate marketing and that is a fool's errand unless you're really good at it. Uh, I found that most companies like Duke Cannon and Bossman Brands and a couple other ones who they make great products. I still scrub myself with Duke Cannon soap and I'm sitting here nervously running my fingers through my stupidly long and tangly beard um, because Bossman Brands helps my beard stay healthy even though I play with it and screw it up. But I don't know. It's It just seems like it was time to sit down and have a conversation with you all and just let you know that I'm still here. I'm still kicking. I don't know if I'll ever be into photography the way I was in the past, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping that an upcoming event in my life is going to help me be passionate about things again and actually feel. I'm going to be completely honest with you all that for the past 
I would say, what, it's almost 2022. Um, I would say even longer than, than the past decade, I have felt really numb. Uh, I can feel emotion, like I'm very sappy, and I think I cried and tried to hide it during Romeo and Juliet in high school and wanted to be the tough guy back then. I think a lot of the males wanted to do that back in the early 2000s, but, you know, it's... Uh, I'll cry when I see a soldier being greeted by their dog or their kids or, you know, a feel-good story like someone winning a talent show or getting finally getting their break and being recognized for being awesome or just having humanity or doing things like making someone's day without expectation. Those things all bring tears to my eyes or the, the actual fond feeling that you have when you feel someone's or when you find out someone's going somewhere else and you're not going to be able to talk to them as all I guess loss of connectivity with someone I'll well up with tears but outside of that I think because I've been on anti-anxiety medicine for I was talking to my dad about it today wow don't put your hand over the microphone but I was talking to my dad about it today and I was saying it's been what 20 years roughly since I've been on anti-anxiety medications because Graduated high school at the turn of the 2000s. Um, I don't really want to give everything out there about me. You can look it up when I graduated if you really care that much, but we'll just say I've been on them for roughly 10, 20 years, and anxiety medications are not really designed to be something that's given to someone for more than maybe a couple months or a couple weeks, I think, is what it really, if you look it up. And I've been on pretty much every depression medication, medication, wow, I can't even talk, it has nothing to do with the beer, it's just part of where my brain's at right now, um, that it, it's not worked, I've tried them all, either they screw up my stomach, or they just don't work, and the only feeling I have is a sense of numbness, I was listening to an episode of Theo Vaughn's podcast this past weekend, and if you really want someone to inspire you, and make you laugh, and listen to him mispronounce things, I think jokingly half serious and <laughs> definitely hilariously like uh mispronouncing elevator elevator i don't know how he says it. that was a horrible impression but just listen to him oh yeah theodore um like he said theater he's like that was you know a way of saying someone's name really fast if their name was theodore like his name theo but he had an episode that really struck me and i didn't know this was an option i do recall the john hopkins study and i don't care that people are I'm putting this out there into the airwaves that I would have done it if there wasn't a huge waiting list and there was a way to actually apply to do it, but I would have done the John Hopkins psilocybin um, study just to figure out if it helped with depression, and it's not a possibility. And so when you've tried everything and you still just don't remember what happiness feels like or what you want or being able to make decisions or being able to connect with people on a deeper level not being full of piss and vinegar and edgy, those days seem so far behind me. And I want to get past them. I sincerely do. And recently, I have not been da dancing carefully with alcohol. I've had a beer every night for quite a while. And that may be unhealthy to some. It definitely is unhealthy to my waistline. I Stepped on the scale today, and I'm over the 300 mark again. Um, that's not a proud moment. Started off pre-COVID in the 280s when I was going to the gym four or five times a week, but became sedentary, decided to sit around a lot, 
even to the point more recently where I was working 50, 60, 70, even 180 hour a week that, and the reason I say one is I hopefully it's never going to ever happen again where I make myself work that long. But I found out that if you sit in a chair forever and you don't move, your lower back starts hurting because I think your muscles are atrophying. At least that's what my good friend, actually, why, why am I saying good friend? My best friend, Mike is saying, and he had lower back issues a while back, I think earlier in the year. And also got hemorrhoids, which, and I kept getting them and getting them and getting them. So I stopped making excuses about these nice Bowers and Wilkins, um, not bragging, but these uh, bookshelf speakers that are sitting on my desk saying, oh, they're the, you know, speaker wire is too short and I can't use the standing desk. Hell, I can push option one here and we can stand and we can continue this podcast versus sitting here if we need to. And I can also do my job by most of the day by standing. I don't have to do it every single hour of my job standing, but it helps. And that's helped with, you know, getting muscle, muscles, getting muscles back into at least wanting to stand for longer periods of time type shape. I need to start going on walks again, and I need to figure out whether the gyms are safe to go to again, because prior to going to the gym, people were really kind of fucking nasty. I mean, there's no other way to say it. They would literally use a machine and you would see an imprint of crotch sweat in the middle of the seat whether it was a press or it was the smith machine or not not the smith machine the hip sled or anything that you sat on you would have butt sweat and my apologies but i don't want to sit in your ass sweat i don't think a that most people are the cleanest when they go to the gym because they think, oh, I'm going to sweat here and I'm only going to get dirty. So why do they want to shower before the gym? Because that's they're going to shower afterwards. And that just sounds like really dry skin. So there's probably some leftovers from the previously in the day and you're sitting in that. And I don't care whether you use wet wipes when you're done using the rest- restroom unless you have a freaking bidet, which I think very few people do. But I don't want to sit in that. And I hope that people have gotten past that. And I sadly talked to some friends a couple weekends ago who are back at the gym and they said, and I asked them, I said, have people changed? Do they care? Are they still savage about wiping stuff off and, you know, pretending that the gym was not just theirs? And they said, no, it's really the same. And you really have to spend time wiping the machine off before you get on it and after a, because you don't want to sit in someone else's ass sweat, and B, because you're not a fucking savage and a hypocrite, so you're going to wipe it off hoping that you can set an example. But it doesn't even happen after a freaking pandemic, of all things. So, I don't know. And I don't know how true this is, but I remember looking it up or hearing about it years ago, or maybe it's an urban legend, you can Google it, but I think this is true. Molecularly and chemically, urine and sweat are very similar. And I'll leave you with this in regards to the gym. I don't go to the gym thinking I'm going to a damn R. Kelly concert. I go there to lose weight, to clear my mind, and to get some endorphins naturally from working out and putting my body through some strain. But I think that is a good start. I mean, that's what Rogan always tells people. Like, I think Kanye was on his show, and Kanye also openly talks about mental illness, and I think the stigma is eventually going to go away a lot more than where it's at right now. And I look forward to those days. I think those days are going to be better. And that's why I'm talking about it because I don't think anyone should be ashamed of being depressed or anxious or anything else. I think that you should 
do whatever you can to live a full and productive life and not let it cripple you. So I'm trying something to get to in a very roundabout way to get to the point, ketamine therapy. And I ran this by my general practitioner because when I announced that I wanted to do it to two very concerned parents, they said, run that by your doctor because he's known you since you were 17 or no 14. That's when (laughs) shoot everything. My brain's everywhere, but go to him and figure out what his opinion is. Small town doctor in Iowa, you know, definitely a good dude, more probably on the conservative side. And I asked him about it. I said, Hey, have you ever heard of it? And he said, yeah, I've had, you know, one patient who it didn't really do that much for, but I'm reading up on it. Um, he didn't say this, but I'm reading up on it. And it seems to work on about 70% of the people who do it. And I think that it's something that's going to be a positive step in the, for me and going in the right direction, because I think that it's time that I invest in my mental health for once and for all. And I hope that afterwards, and if it is effective, they find out after one to two sessions of it, whether it's effective, uh, which they're costly. They're not covered by insurance. It is legal. Um, I found out in Colorado while my dad was getting a new vehicle that uh, they give you a prescription and you go to the pharmacy and they give you lozenges, right? And then you go to your appointment you sit in a room and you talk to a licensed psychiatrist. And I think that's amazing. It's not just some dude like Theo Vaughn said out of a U-Haul in a strip mall, but it's literally someone who is medically licensed and you're hooked up according to this place. And I didn't think they did it in Nebraska because the giant thumb Pete Ricketts, who is vehemently against all things cannabis, he's probably being paid off by the hemp industry, but that's another story for another day. If you ever were thinking that the cannabis industry and the hemp industry are at odds with each other, you're right. If you didn't think about it, you just learned something new. But anyway, the ketamine infusion is something that they say lasts about 45 minutes they give you an IV, they hook you up to very high-end machinery to you know, take a look at blood oxygen levels, um, take a look at heart rate, all the vitals, and it's 45 minutes, They and then they go ahead and post-infusion, they'll monitor your vitals for another hour, or another half an hour, I mean, and they determine whether you're stable, and then you're just released in the care of friends or family, and they can drive you home, and that's cool. There's one in Omaha called Miracle Hills Ketamine. And I'm going to take a look at it. I have an evaluation coming up on Monday to see whether or not, and this is why I think it's great, is because all of these places have a licensed psychiatrist sit down with you for an hour or two or whatever it is, and they talk to you and they find out whether or not you're doing this for the right reasons, what you're trying to get out of it, and whether you're in a good place mentally, spiritually, or what have you to do it. And then if you're in that position, then... The day of, you go ahead and stop eating um, at least six hours. No pulpy juices or solid foods, it says, or soup for at least six hours. I do intermittent fasting, and I'm still fat. We'll get to that in a, in a minute. That's because of the beer. Um, not. Be- <laughs> and then from there, you can have things like Gatorade, apple juice, and black coffee up to two hours prior, but I'll just probably have water the whole time between that six hours prior and the two leading up to it. And then... Like I said, state-of-the-art monitoring equipment for your heart rate, heart rhythm, oxygen levels, and then they begin. And the first one, Theo Vaughn, and someone called in on his show and said that he was really amazed that to see a celebrity come out and talk about it and do it. And 
Theo Vaughn described it as, it's literally like the floodgates of tears cannot get out of your head fast enough. But then he described another time that seems kind of scary. And he said, imagine those things that go around and around carousels, I think they're called, where your dry cleaning is. They go around slowly when the person presses the button. Imagine that thing going freaking fast, like super fast. That's what he said it's like. So hopefully it's not that much of an experience. I really just like the fact that from what I've read from the Harvard University study on it, that it helps you abandon your ego so you can actually talk about what's really, really bothering you. And I think it helps with suppressed memories. When I rolled my vehicle in high school, I literally blacked out. I remember spots of someone, you know, looking over and seeing my buddy in the car seat, asking me if he was okay. He could open his door. I couldn't mind. Remembering making the decision to crawl out of my window through the, you know, cubed up glass. And then I remember them slapping the side of my face saying, Darren, wake up, Darren, wake up, Darren, wake up. Don't remember anything prior to that. They said that uh, my friends who were there said that I, we went to go take a pee and then I hit the ground and started that happening and I had to be lifelighted. I mean, it wasn't putting on a show. I mean, they don't just call the, the life light for no reason. And I think that that could have been some trauma. I think that there are possibly some other things that have happened in my life that I don't think I can come up with off the top of my head that were traumatic, but maybe this will help. And it literally takes off your filter you really discuss what's going on, and they say that it helps you recreate pathways in your brain to help you build more meaningful relationships with other people, and hopefully with the help of my doctor, get off of antidepressants and anxiety medicine, and hopefully not feel like I have to have a beer when I'm stressed, and make it you know, seem like it's more about the flavors that I'm chasing. I mean, yeah, the beer I'm having tonight's good. It's uh, Bourbon County 2019. What do they call this one? It is the Cherry Stout. That makes sense. It has bourbon barrel-aged beer, of course, which that's hence the name. And it also has granola, oats, and cherries, and 100% natural flavor. Oh, and also brown sugar, of course. Weird thing about some of these beers is you cannot taste a lot of these flavors. Cherry is one. We should definitely do a beer episode. Oh, that's me hitting the microphone with glass. Very cramped space. I should probably plan that out a little bit better. But as these stouts warm, you actually can feel that flavor come out. There's a really cool boiler. There's a really cool brewery in, in Lincoln, Nebraska called Boiler. And they have amazing stouts. They add a bunch of adjuncts like this one that I'm picking up this weekend. It's called Coconut Killer AF. And we've cussed on here. It means as fuck. And they literally put three times the amount of ridiculous coconut that they put in their original batch back in 2019. And it's extremely coconutty. I hate coconut. I cannot eat a snowball. If you put coconut inside of like a fruit salad, I'm going to run the hell away. If you try to hide it in granola, I'm going to fucking find it. (laughs) and it's just a texture thing. I hate it. And even when they had their fifth anniversary and they had toasted coconut in a little ramekin, I took a couple bites, and it's not good. I just hate it, but I love it in beer. Same thing with rhubarb. I tasted a rhubarb beer recently, and it's texture. I can't stand it. And all these new beers are coming out, and there's this dangerous app out there called Taver, 
And if you want to sign up for it, that's something that I will give you my referral code to. I can put it in the show notes. You get $10, I get $10, and you get beer, possibly, if you want it, shipped to your house. If you're in the states where they ship to through a local delivery service, and you literally you just add it to your cart. Don't go to the subscription model. That just seems silly. Buy what you want, and then you load up the cart. You can push the date back for when they ship it out from Washington State. And you get your hands on some pretty rare beer. It's better than that fuckery of going around and paying double the price or quadruple or fireworks margins on what that beer originally cost. Like there's certain beers out there I think that retailed for a hundred bucks that go for five or I don't know, two hundred bucks for something that went for thirty bucks. <laughs> People are just freaking nuts. And it's it's a weird chase to be in. And I, I mainly like to participate in uh, raffles where you can actually throw in a number and get a beer if you win. I was lucky earlier in the year, haven't been lucky, and stopped because it's just a waste of money. And I have more beer than I'll ever be able to drink, even with planning to slow down. So, I don't know, it's it's a great app to have, Taver. I mean, you get these fruit beers shipped to your house. I mean, there's beers, there's one that's called um, Quench, <laughs> and... <laughs> I, I laugh at it every time I, I look at the can. It says sports beer. And why? Because it has electrolytes in it. It's literally a lager. It, it almost tastes like grape Kool-Aid lager. If there, That's really a, a beer type taste. And it's freaking great. And I have another can. And you feel like you can have it at 3.30 in the afternoon because it's a sports beer. Like, what am I going to do? Drink this beer and go do an Ironman? I'm nowhere near that, but, and I also, I can't run anymore because my knee's fucked, but it just, it's hilarious what they come up with. But then they have these other ones that are called fruited sours and fruit smoothie beers like Drecker out of North Dakota. Uh, Like I said, we could do a whole episode on beer itself. They take this one that's called Chonk and they did this one that was banana, raspberry, chocolate, something Sunday, and they put all of it together. And like, there's pulp. They tell you to actually roll the can gently before you open it because it'll settle and also you want to make sure that you flip it a couple times gently because it'll separate because they put puree in there (laughs) i mean it's literally my my dad says it's the boone's farm resurrection of the early 2020s and i think that's quite hilarious that it's making that these rounds because these beers taste like kool-aid or juice or something else decadent not like a beer. Even my mom, who's tried some of these, she's like, that's delicious. I can't believe that's beer. It's great. I mean, I do like that the fact that I've been able to bond with my parents over that and they are watching, they are making sure that, you know, it stays to a one or two beers and not big beers per night. And I try to take time away from the beer as well too. And when I switch medications, I also take a couple weeks off because I want to feel what it's like to have baseline um, and not have the alcohol interfering with the medication working its way into my system and trying to balance things out. So I think also after my first consultation on Monday, I will probably pump the brakes on the beer throughout this whole ketamine procedure. And if I decide that, and if it, if it truly rewires my brain to not wanting it anymore... I will keep the stuff that I can put in the cellar and age and drink very slowly with friends and mainly share, or 
I will sell it. <laughs> and not for a profit because that is what I stand against. I literally hate everyone. I don't hate. Hate's a very strong word. I literally think that anyone who finds trade value in beer or bourbon or any commodity, you're kind of a dick or a twat. <laughs> it's stupidly silly that people use someone's desire because there is some idiot and it is capitalism and I'm all for capitalism but it's not conscious capitalism to be the first one in line because you're a deadbeat that's that's a horrible assumption be the first one in line because you have the ability to be there on a weekday and when the liquor store at the grocery store opens up to grab these beers so you can resell them to someone who has to work you know so many hours a week and sell it for however many multiples more than what you paid for it and you're damn lucky if you can find a friend who will send you some beers at cost. Luckily, I have a friend in Illinois who's been sending me some amazing Bourbon County beers at cost, um, plus shipping, of course, and it's been great. It's worked out really well. I've been trying some of the best beers that I used to have to drive clear to Chicago, like usually to Evanston to Binney's or other Binney's uh, or Osco locations to find some of these rare beers on Black Friday. And I might do that again in November, but... Like I said, I'm going on this very adventurous and wild journey here soon, so all of this may change. But I wanted to take the time to sit down, record a track. My heart says I'm probably going to press stop and delete it, but I think that it's time to put out an episode. Maybe this one will resonate with people. I'm super critical of myself, and I hope to get past that. I think that was my biggest hindrance in photography, any hobby that I've ever done, because I'm pissed at myself for saying, um, uh, literally a lot, just certain words that people even called me out on when I used to be on the Improved Photography podcast. I think I said awesome too much, but I think that's an American thing, because when we went to China, this guy from France and this other gentleman from, I think he was from Bangladesh or India, anyway, um... Or maybe India is Bangladesh. And regardless, he's an amazing dude named Angad. He and uh, who's the other guy's name? Gosh, he's going to kill me for forgetting it. Carrie? I don't know. He was from France, but he lived in Hong Kong. He said, what do you guys say when something's really great? And we said, awesome. And he said, see, that's an American thing. So I, I try not to be super critical of myself, but I also try to be aware and mindful of saying us and ums and saying trite repetitive words and trying to at least make this engaging and fun for someone to listen to. I hope this podcast wasn't a downer by any means. I think I want to leave you with the impression there's hope. I want people to know there's resources out there. You can talk to people. Um, always look up any resources for, you know, crisis hotlines, mental health. I think that it's very underappreciated the value of mental health still in society. We're definitely breaking down barriers. Barriers. Wow, I cannot enunciate worth of crap. Hopefully that changes as well. And I think that eventually, if we don't just get keep getting caught up in these, this tribalism where we have to be on one side or the other and hate each other, or if you're in the middle, you're freaking delusional for some reason, I hope that that isn't the reality forever. It's very grim to have an outlook at that and it's very hard to live in a society where 
Facebook has transformed into something back in college where you could hook up with friends on a Friday night and say, hey, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, well, I'm going here. Or you can advertise a house party and have it busted by 11 o'clock when you have four kegs tapped and you're running to the store to get two more. And the cops estimate 400 people were there when they write the ticket <laughs> for a disorderly house. But I mean, it's I, life's an adventure. I, I don't really know why I'm depressed. I mean, I have my reasons, you know, student loan debt, not having a family outside of my, my folks who I love to death you know, like a wife and kids, but, you know, we all have our journeys and our paths in life and there's no right or wrong one. And that's what I'm getting to is that Facebook has transformed into a soapbox for people to push their agenda on you, a meme machine, which that's the only reason I probably still have it outside of publishing, you know, sometimes every five months or so to the Beard Winner Facebook page. But it's not a good place. You can't get empathy anymore and you can only present your best self because if you put anything negative on there about even how you're feeling, it seems like you're throwing a pity party. And believe me, I've done it. I mean, when I was younger. Um, but I just think that you can't say I'm having a bad day and have friends truly be there for you. And speaking of memes, my friend Devante posted this photo and made me laugh. It said on one side it had a dude in the bleachers in this huge stadium, only guy in the bleachers. And that said, those who support you or supporters. And then on the right side is a full stadium, about the same size, but jam-packed. And it says, those who congratulate you. So we'll leave you with that. I'm going to probably press stop here soon. I hope to hear from myself on this podcast even though I hate hearing my voice down the road pretty darn soon more than my, why more more frequently there we go and less time gaps between episodes this one's probably six months from now going to be really hard to listen to but also this is me being hopeful and trying to find that silver lining and being that underlyingly positive person that most people know me by and I'm going to look back and this is going to be painful, but eye-opening to see how, where I was and how far I've come. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending some time with me this evening, and I will talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.